The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change and shift your business paradigm. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn for insights on emerging trends that could impact the future of your business. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the innovative business leaders of today. Now, here's your host, Nancy Lynn. Hi, this is Nancy Lynn on the Business Reinvention Show. We bring you thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, thank you for making this program part of your day today. In the next hour, please join me in exploring new ideas that could transform the insurance industry. The insurance industry is uh, seeing a great deal of demographic and technological changes uh, and that are leading to a discussion around innovation. Um, according to a survey by Accenture, the consulting firm, um, over 60% of firms in the industry are already or are are considering offering non-insurance products and services, such as home security, smart sensors, and cart maintenance, in addition to their core products. So what will the industry look like five years from now? Can the insurance companies uh, make their products more friendly and engaging? Well, to answer these questions, we're going to take a look at the $180 billion car insurance sector and talk with Tina Wong, Marketing Director at Metro Mile, which is the new kid on the block, um, to help us understand what is going on in the industry and what is changing. Hi, Tina. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Thank you, Nancy. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, so let's start um, talking about um, Metro Mile first. Um, some of our listeners may not have heard about the company before. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your business? Definitely. Well, Metro Mile is revolutionizing the auto insurance world with our pay-per-mile model, which allows drivers to pay for the miles they drive. And we're not judging their driving style or their behavior. And it's really designed for people who are driving less than 10,000 miles a year. So someone who's probably doing a daily commute via public transportation or biking or walking, but still want their car for the weekend and do their shopping and recreational fun. Mm-hmm. So on average, we're saving the typical customer about $500 annually. And today we're the only agent that's really offering this pay-per-mile auto insurance policy in the United States. Very interesting. Um, so uh, just to clarify, your premium actually includes a, a base price. And then on top of that, you have a per mile rate that averages around two to four cents. Is that correct? Or uh, You're correct in that our model has a billing component of, of two elements. The base rate, which is determined just like any old insurance would be, driving history, record, car, make, and model. And on average, across the states we're in right now, it could be $30 a month. And then the per mile rate, yes, is tabulated um, on its own as well, part of our rating engine. 
And then that is what determines kind of the variable cost, how many miles you're actually driving. But we do have a daily mileage cap, so it varies by state. But once that person hits the cap, for example, uh, in California, it's 150 miles. We don't charge for any miles beyond that on a 24-hour period. Mm. So that's really interesting. It's almost a little bit counterintuitive in the sense that I think the industry is trying to co- collect more and more information by providing apps or devices um, to better understand driver behavior, but you actually just base your revenue solely of me, premium, solely on miles. That's correct. And actually, uh, in California, Prop 103 was passed around in 1983 that actually dictated that. So you cannot use someone's real-time behavior, let's say, to establish the rate. The behavior, in a way, manifests itself in someone's driving history or record. But real-time assessment cannot be used to adjust someone's actual rates. That's fascinating. I always made the assumption that the reason that more and more insurance companies are providing apps and devices um, is to collect more data about um, your driving behaviors. So you're saying that that's actually not legal or do you mean that it can be reflected maybe six months down the road, but just not at the moment? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I just want to make sure I differentiate that uh, correctly. So determining someone's rates yes, is only based on driving history record, car make and model. However, providing discounts or on the other side, penalties can be determined by assessing behavior. So if someone reports or is an app can demonstrate quote unquote good driving behavior, a company can provide discounts, but that's not the same as changing their rate giving someone $5 off or 10% off is not the same thing as, oh, now your rate is $20. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the difference. So in your case, are you saying that um, if somebody demonstrated um, good behavior over time, it's not going to affect your rate because it's solely based on miles. So it could really be, I guess it could work either way for someone. Um, well, the rate, I guess, is the rate. We, MetroMile, does not actually use or judge driving behavior. So whereas other competition may use their device, the device that plugs into the onboard diagnostic port for that purpose, we do not actually use that information today. Mm, Very interesting. Um, So why do you think that would work for your company, like in in terms of, um, you know, making a a profitable business model. Why are you so sure this is going to work? Sure. Well, we definitely have seen some trends in the decline of driving. Uh, more and more people, especially millennials, have shown that they are more apt to use alternative modes of transportation, such as the bus or biking or rideshare uh, or carpooling even. So generally, if that continues, people are just logging less miles on their car. And we know that lifestyle changes are such that someone could decide to work from home. So um, we are allowing people to self-select into our model because it works for them. So big insurance today kind of works or is great for most people because the majority who are driving the most miles are actually subsidizing those that don't. So about 35% of all drivers are the ones actually incurring the most miles 
and incurring the most cost to the system. So it truly is the majority that are helping to keep those folks' uh, rates or premiums lower. Mm. So how do you make money? I mean, do you invest your proceeds like other insurance companies or do you um, do that differently? Oh, uh, collecting premium is the primary way that uh, we are monetizing. Okay, so you, you don't invest because a lot of time insurance companies make money based on you know using that premium and reinvest that in either stock market or in other ways. And it sounds like you have a very interesting business model. That's why I'm really curious if you also kind of uh, uh, based on the assumption that you will be able to use this or actually you're using um, the money, reinvest the money into the service as opposed to an investment. Oh, understood. Uh, so just to clarify, we don't invest any of our proceeds into other companies. Uh, we do, yes, invest in improving our app experience. So along with the Permile Insurance product, we do have a free app that leverages the data that's also read from that same port, the onboard diagnostic port. So we can give users useful data like how many miles have you driven? How much fuel have you consumed? We can tell you where your car is located. So if you forget to drop the pin in the map before you take off in a big parking lot, or unfortunately some folks' cars are stolen or towed, we've been able to help them find them because they can open the app and see exactly what the location is. And we have a feature called street cleaning alerts. So for most people who live in urban areas, street cleaning can be very costly. We allow people to get alerted uh, 12 hours before so they can move their car in time and avoid a ticket that likely costs anywhere from 65 to $75 these days. Yeah, I think you have some really innovative uh, product offerings. It was really fascinating. Uh, you even have on-staff experts and mechanics that customers can talk to. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, one of our popular features is Ask a Mechanic. And we do have an on-staff um, member of our team who will receive all those emails. Um, another feature in our app is receiving diagnostic trouble codes, or DTCs. So if something's going on with your car, instead of just seeing a light show up on your dashboard, our app can actually say, oh, this is code P008, and whatever that might be. And from there, you can push the Ask a Mechanic button, and it will pre-populate an email to him with that code, and you can type away and ask your question. That's really awesome. Um, so then that begs the question, what business are you in? Because you're offering so many great services that are really not um, insurance directly related. Um, so are you in the insurance business or car service business? Sure, that's a fair question. We say that we are in the mission of empowering drivers and alleviating the hassles of car ownership. So to that end, we have created several products the first of which is the per-mile insurance product to save people who don't drive a lot a lot of money. And then, of course, our app features are there to help with all the other parts of car maintenance. And in the future, we'll be rolling out new features that will help drivers even more. Mm, all right. So how do you decide what's the right product to offer? Because it seems like this whole area of car service can be so broad. Indeed. Uh, we definitely talk to our consumers. We solicit their feedback on a regular basis. We conduct interviews and really try to listen for those pain points and then match that with our engineering talents and resources to see what can be done in you know, an efficient amount of time. 
So street sweeping, it's a great service, but we're not in every city. Currently, we're only in San Francisco, Chicago, San Diego, and Los Angeles. But there are many, many drivers who want that feature in their cities. So uh, it definitely takes time and resources. So we're diligently working on how to optimize helping the most drivers as we can. Mm, but right now, all these services or the you know app-based services, um, it sounds like it's all free to your customers. Is that correct? Currently, uh, we do offer our services only in a select number of states. The app, yes, is free. And the device with which uh, those experiences are accommodated differ. So if you're a per-mile insurance customer, we send you the MetroMile Pulse, which is the device that goes into the onboard diagnostic port. And that's critical for measuring the miles. If you're not a per-mile insurance customer, you can still experience MetroMile. We just send a different device called the MetroMile Tag. And that does not need to be plugged into your car. It operates using iBeacon technology. That's a phrase from Apple. So essentially, it's a low-energy Bluetooth technology. That's awesome. So I didn't realize that you actually have two different, um, I guess, product models that people can choose from. Um, So I want to actually go back and circle back to the question about your revenue model. Um, So it sounds like you were saying that you don't, invest um the money actually into say you know stock market um like a lot of insurance companies would do but is that because you're actually an agent um, for other major insurance carrier is is that really a good way of describing your business model currently yes we are underwritten by a larger company national general insurance group and they've been around for over 70 years and have over 2 billion in premium and have been AMBS rated for a long time. So you're correct in that we are an agent underwritten by this larger company. However, the technology in order to roll out the business model, meaning per mile insurance, that's all on us. We are the ones that provide the devices that can measure the miles. We do all the retroactive billing. Uh, If you liken it to like your water bill, your power bill, you are billed for your monthly rate and then you're retroactively billed for what you actually use. So that transaction, those to put those bills together, that's all on us. Um, but we are backed by investors and have publicly shared that we have raised $14 million in Series A and Series B funding. Um, okay, so you actually get a cut of the insurance premium as opposed to getting the entire premium. Um, is that right? Is that-, that, that is correct. Okay, got it. So that, that's a great explanation of your revenue model. And it looks like it's time to take a break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For up-to-date business innovation trends, go to bizreinvention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizreinvention. We'll be back after these messages. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? 
I Lead, the leadership connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader and by doing so, build a better, more successful and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection, live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Tina, um, before the break, you told us a lot about your um, different value-added services, which are really fantastic. I, I really uh, wish that I have it right now and I can try them. Um, but uh, it's, it's, do you think that this is kind of a consistent trend that will continue? Because obviously other insurance companies are also starting to offer a lot of different apps and services. Yeah, definitely. I think as people are more accustomed to understanding what data can be collected and how useful it is. Definitely, it's very clear that the trend is going this way and more and more people are adopting apps that uh, collect data for them. And I think people understand that there's a balance between privacy and the benefits that you, you get from sharing data. Mm. But on the other hand, um, you know, car companies are also trying to redesign their products um, into smart cars. And so it's not hard to envision a day uh, in the near future where cars will all be equipped with analytic systems similar to some of the things that you're offering right now. So are you worried that some of your products and services might become commodities? Oh, sure. I think every... Every company always, you know, fears that one day they'll become a commodity. But then you look at industries like mattresses, for example, and, you know, Casper's doing great things with, you know, turning that industry on its head. So um, to your question regarding car manufacturers, yeah, they're definitely equipping their cars with analytics, but it stays in the car, right? After you get out of your car, do you remember what your last mileage reading was? Do you remember how full your gas tank was? The beauty of um, having something in an app, meaning on your smartphone, is that you can access it at any time and know wherever you go, wherever you are, what's going on. Mm-hmm. I can look at my phone right now and say, oh, my, my gas is actually at 10%. I better go fill it up versus getting in your car, realizing it, being late to something, and then having to rush and get gas and, mm. you know, be on your phone. So that's the beauty of 
having the information go with you versus stay in the car. Ah, that's such a good point. Um, so uh, also looking at the insurance business, um, the other thing is that kind of like the uh, the whole uh, profitability model. Um, so right now, for example, car insurance industry typically has about 65% of fees paid out as claims and probably ends up with 5% margin after you take out marketing expenses. Um, so marketing does account for a big chunk of the profit. So granted, you, you do have a different revenue model because you are agent for a major carrier. So you might not have as much of a problem in terms of claims. Uh, but I'm still curious if you try to come up with different marketing approach to maybe address and improve the profitability that insurance industry faces now? Sure. Well, we certainly don't have the deep pockets of big insurance companies. I, I wish we did. I wish I could put a TV commercial up everywhere and put big billboards up everywhere. But because of that, we're very careful about our marketing spend. Um, luckily, because our message really resonates with a certain kind of person, right, the person who isn't driving a lot, we're able to target folks better because our model speaks to those people um, really closely. So generally, our loss ratios are, are better than the industry average because the mere fact is our customers are just not on the road as much. So we do a lot more grassroots efforts to try and get people uh, where they are. Mm, that's great. Um, so you have been in the market for um, more than two years now. Um, what kind of response have you received so far? Oh, it's been great. Uh, people have said things like, finally, this totally makes sense for the way I live my life. I don't drive my car that much. They love the app features. But mainly when they see the savings, most people are just like, wow, why wouldn't I switch? Mm-hmm. And this is amazing that we're only in five states so far. And so we're eagerly awaiting, you know, rolling out in more states. And a lot of people on Twitter will say, when are you coming to X? And where X is their state. So mm-hmm. it's great to see that kind of anticipation in the market. Uh, and so, you know, uh, to prepare for this um, particular interview, I actually uh, went onto your website and I was going to yeah. apply for insurance and to see if I, you know, what kind of savings I could get. And they yeah. also asked me for my license, you know, driver's license information. And I know that earlier you were talking about the fact that your, your rate is really mostly um, mileage based. So what would be the reason for asking for that type of information? If it's all mile based, I mean, why do they need to know my driving record? That's why I was really curious. Like, mm. is it, you know, do yeah. you take into account driver, you know, behavior? Correct. So your mileage does not determine your rate. So your mileage will determine what you actually pay out. So again, rates are determined by your driving history and your record. And that's why uh, putting in your driver's license number facilitates pulling those records. But what you actually drive, that's a common myth, it does not determine the rate. So let's say you drive 50,000 miles a year, that's not going to determine your rate over someone who drives 10,000 miles a year. It, it, it really comes down to your driving history, your record, car make and model. Okay, so you're separating your base rate and then your monthly billing. Um, okay, so I, I see what you're saying now. Um, and then I, I do want to go back to the comment you're talking about um, uh, product attracting people in the cities um, where they don't drive a lot. Um, are they tend to be younger or are you attracting other demographics? I'm curious about if there are particular custom segment um, that you tend to attract. Sure. Yeah, definitely we are attracting currently a young person, usually out of school, they may have gone to grad school and they have student loans to pay, 
but they're typically renting in an urban area like a big city and they have discretionary income and they're enjoying life and uh, spending it on what they want, but also having to pay down student loans. But yeah, they, they do enjoy having their car still because they need to run errands, go grocery shopping or go on ski trips or wine country over the weekend. So they want to have their car. It's handy for them. It's convenient whenever they need to transport a lot of cargo, perhaps, or take friends on a road trip. But their day-to-day, Monday to Friday, is taking the bus, using their bike, or carpooling. Mm, right now, you're limited to just a few states, right? And tell us what they are, and then what are some of the hurdles you have to overcome in order to expand to other states? Sure. We're currently in California, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, and Virginia, and we're adding another state by the end of this month. So we're very excited about that. And the limitations really uh, for the PACE are that each state regulates its insurance. And so we apply state by state and get get approval. So having those filings and waiting for approval takes time. And that's currently what's uh, limiting our PACE. Mm. So would you say that your service then would be more limited to large cities? Um, That's where people don't drive a lot. Would that be your target markets then? Uh, Well, we have to apply at the state level. So it's not really about individual cities. Um, But yeah, we definitely have an eye out for where there are a higher concentration of urban drivers. Mm. Well, now let's take a step back and look at the overall industry. Um, What would you say is the biggest um, challenge uh, facing the the, the overall industry? Sure. I'd say that uh, the industry in general is slow to adapt and has remained basically unchanged for the last 20 years. And as new technologies like self-driving cars have come about, I don't think insurance companies are ready to face what that will do to the model. So it's uh, something that everyone thinks needs to adapt to at some point. It's It seems like it's far away, but it's going to be right around the corner. Well, Tina, I'm really glad that you mentioned that um, because my question is like, so do we still need insurance if we actually have autonomous cars? Because supposedly these cars are very safe and they know where they're going. Um, Nobody's driving it. And so there are no drivers, quote unquote. So do we still need car insurance when that time actually arrives? Yeah, we actually, our actual team put together a model for what insurance would look like when we go completely autonomous. So you can take a lot of the liability out per se because a lot of times accidents are caused by actual people. So Google uh, has released their results of their self-driving cars and it shows that actually they don't really get into accidents, which is great. And I think the only reasons why they those cars have been in accidents is because another person was involved. So that bodes really well. But things like uh, quote-unquote acts of God will always happen. A lamppost fell down or lightning hit your car. So those things you can't really completely take out of the equation. So there, there is still risk even if a person is not behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. But would you say that the insurance coverage then would be mostly just for the car as opposed to the driver? Since there's not going to be a driver. That is correct. It's, it's going to be all about the risk that has nothing to do with a person uh, behind the wheel. But if we're in a world that's semi-autonomous, meaning there are some cars that are uh, autonomous or self-driving, and then other cars still have people around, there are a lot of uninsured motorists 
And so there's some payout that's required in those situations. Mm, interesting. Well, so the, another question is also, um, you know, with all these technology changes, um, a lot of our lifestyles, our behaviors are changing. Um, so your product is really great, like you said, for people um, living in the cities, don't drive a lot. But the other thing that we're seeing in the city is that people use car sharing or ride sharing services such as Uber, Lyft, and in fact, I think mobility on demand industry is supposed to be um, increasing to the level of 10 million vehicles by 2040, something like that. So would that require insurance industry to change um, the way they think about insurance or how you structure it? Definitely. There's a segmenting that needs to happen. And Uh, We actually are able to do that today because we have a product that's tailored for Uber drivers. So if you've read any of the recent uh, news coverage about the legislation that's happening in certain states when it comes to rideshare insurance, uh, it's it's a big deal. Um, There were several lawsuits that occurred because of accidents that happened during a period of time that was kind of a gray area in the industry. So uh, the jargon is to use... Uh, what they call periods. So, for example, an Uber X driver, if that person is just driving on their own for their own business and they don't even have the Uber app on, that's just personal time. Great. But once they turn on the Uber app to indicate, okay, I'm ready to accept a rider, that starts what's called an industry as period one. And it only ends when the driver accepts a ride from someone. So they say, okay, I see that Nancy needs ride. I'm going to go pick her up. That then starts what's called period two. Then they're on their way to pick you up. Then the, the person gets in the car. That starts period three. And then it ends when the person gets out of the car. So there's been a lot of gray area over who is supposed to be primary in period one. There's typically no dispute for periods two and three. When you're on your way to pick up somebody and they're in your car, that's the responsibility of the rideshare company. Yeah, so Tina, those are good questions, and I definitely want to make sure we have enough time to discuss that. So let's take, um, first of all, a break, and then when we come back, we can talk about that some more. You're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lin. You can download our podcast from Voice America, iTunes, Stitcher, or go to our website, businesswementioned.com, for more information. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying, but when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune in to Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increase margins, listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. 
Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Business. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. All right, so Tina, before the break, you were starting to explain to us about um, how someone could be using their car for personal use and all of a sudden using it as a commercial purposes. And so it kind of raises a new question about a new way of, you know, a lifestyle, a business. Um, so, um, how do we go about addressing that? Sure. Uh, well, that's the beauty of where the technology comes in. Uh, Timestamps can differentiate distinct periods of time. So in the rideshare example, uh, those industry periods, so to speak, help define who should be responsible for insurance coverage. So typically the rideshare companies are responsible for what's called period two and three, where the driver is on his way to pick up a passenger and then the passenger gets in and out of the car. So recent legislation uh, in California, it was spurred by AB 2293, and it went into effect in July of this year. And it basically explained that uh, period one is now going to be primarily uh, needing to be covered by a personal auto insurance. Now, the rideshare companies are also beholden or asked to provide a certain level of coverage as primary in these cases. Uh, This is where it gets a little hairy and why it's not so easy for everyone to understand. But the coverage that is provided uh, by the rideshare groups in period one is pretty much liability only. So if someone were to get hurt or harmed, then for sure that is covered, liability level type stuff. But if it has anything to do with damage to the person's car, that is not covered. And then the personal auto insurance would need to kick in for that. So uh, a rideshare driver would need to make sure that he has those coverages on his policy. Mm. So currently, does your product actually allow people to... I mean, so in order to have... Say you're an Uber driver, and so... There are times you use it for personal um, purposes and then other times. Do you have to have two different insurance products or there's actually insurance products that will allow you to switch in and out? Right. That's a really good question. So you don't need uh, two types. The rideshare company provides you with commercial coverage during those uh, two periods of time, periods two and three. So there's coverage for that kind of stuff. But you still need personal auto insurance. But what has now arisen is 
what's called a rideshare endorsement. So when you think about traditional personal auto policies, the purpose of the coverage is for you to use your car in personal ways, going to work, going to school, going to the grocery store, not because you're making money, right? Livery, livery purposes. So this is where the beauty of technology, right, is influencing laws and legislation. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that the legislation is catching up to the innovation. So what the rideshare endorsement does is say, okay, I'm a personal auto insurance provider, but I recognize that someone is going to be using his car for rideshare use, livery use. So each personal auto insurance provider needs to apply for and get approval for that in every state. So for example, in California, currently, the only two companies that are approved are uh, Farmers and Metromile. So at this point, everyone's kind of applying state by state as well. Wow. So could Uber potentially be a competitor for insurance companies? Oh, oh, do you mean like they would provide their own separate um, non-commercial coverage? Yeah. Like right now, are they just having somebody underwriting their liability insurance or are they also um, issuing their own insurance for their own drivers? They, they have a party that provides that commercial coverage. Mm, yeah, so I'm just curious. It would be, you know, and we may not have the answer right now, but it's just really interesting because they, they're really trying to get into a lot of different businesses, right? Not just car sharing, but then they were testing ideas of having drivers uh, deliver goods as well. Um, so I'm really curious about what they're going to do with insurance if that becomes a, a really big chunk of um, the expenses for the drivers as well as for the company. So it would be really interesting. To, to see. Um, any thought on that? Uh, no, I mean, I think they definitely are working on a wide range of products and services to help people. So I'm, I'm also very interested to see what they do. Mm. Well, so like you said, you know, there are definitely a lot of changes going on because um, all the new technology um, out there. Um, but a lot of insurance companies are also trying to get into the act. Um, and Progressive, for example, has um, something called Snapshots. I think it's an app or a device that gathers information on driving behavior and, and they use that to offer discounts. And Allstate also has several apps. And I would think it's really great for insurance companies to um, gather more data to be better in terms of determining rates and pricing. Um, But do you think the industry is equipped to deal with the increasing amount of data? Um, Yeah, I mean, every time you add more data, you need to be able to accommodate that and, of course, maintain people's privacy. So that's definitely a very tantamount, um, you know, goal for, for any company that holds a lot of of data of um, customers. So uh, that's critical, maintaining privacy and being able to take the load. Mm. And do you see opportunities or new ideas on the horizon that might help insurance companies um, modernize the claim process? Because that's definitely a very time-consuming process right now. Sure, yeah. I think claims can range from very simple things like glass repair to very serious things where people are, you know, hurt or injured. So it's a case-by-case basis for sure. And we believe that, you know, we've found a way to help simplify the process, especially for the more simple things um, and providing roadside assistance. Um, But yeah, when it comes to more complicated matters, the human touch is always key. And we definitely have that as one of our top priorities and making sure that someone feels that they're getting taken care of all the way through. It's such a stressful thing to have to deal with a claim. Uh, So our 
our underwriting uh, company handles claims currently, but what we do to add more service is assign what we call a customer experience advocate to every person who files a claim. And that person acts as kind of a facilitator to make sure that the customer feels taken care of every step of the way and that they know exactly what's going to happen. And so they don't feel like, wow, I haven't heard from anybody in two days what's happening with my claim. So uh, that customer experience advocate is there to help guide and make sure that their questions and, and concerns are all alleviated. Mm, that's right. You're really taking a, a, a different approach and focusing more on um, providing better services um, or, or more human touch to it. Whereas I think um, the industry overall are, are looking into more um, using technology to streamline um, their legacy system. You know, like some of them um, maybe offer um, the ability for you to upload your photos when you want to file a claim. Or um, I think some of them are using technology to um, be able to translate, you know, information in PDF files or other format into data so that they could do um, better um, uh, you know, assessment of the situation or your rates. Um, and it's really interesting that on the other hand, you're actually trying to improve um, the customer service um, uh, quality. So, uh, and I think that is actually one of the um, uh, opportunity for growth as well, because that is one area I think a lot of people feel insurance company is being very impersonal. And, and that's why it becomes some, such um, a commodity product for some people. Um, and so it's really great that you're doing more and more personalization um, for this particular product line. Indeed, indeed. I don't think you can take the technology to the fullest without also having a human component behind it. And uh, you can do all the great fun tech things, but at the end of the day, someone might just need, you know, their handheld throughout a really stressful process, and that's what we hope to provide. Mm. So we have talked a lot, um, different areas um, and, you know, potential challenges um, ahead of us. Um, What do you think, like, just to summarize, uh, what the insurance will look like five years from now? I mean, are there other big opportunities that you think um, the insurance industry should tackle? Sure. Uh, So we went over the whole notion of segmenting because uh, use will definitely change over time, whether it's continuing to be a person or whether a computer will take over. So I think being able to figure out who's driving at what time or even if it's a different person like ride sharing uh, or car sharing, uh, person A versus person B driving the car. So definitely segmenting and differentiating appropriate uh, charges is going to be key. I think customer service will still always continue to be a factor. No matter what, when the technology improves, it's still humans and humans at the end of the day interacting with each other. So we'll always need that human touch involved. Um, and then, of course, the technology and the app features, like you said, uh, we're also working on improving those ourselves. And it's not about just saving money on insurance, but what other value add can you give to people? So another common thing right now is being able to see your proof of insurance card on your phone. Uh, you know, I personally got pulled over for a speeding ticket not long ago in an <laughs> area that didn't have good cell phone service. So I couldn't get it right away. So uh, I've now since taken a photo of it and it stays on my phone so I can always have that ready to go. So even though the technology is great, you may not always be in an area that will facilitate this fancy technology. So accidents happen anywhere, even when there's no cell service. 
That's right. Well, great insight. Um, you're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lin. We'll continue our conversation about the insurance industry after a short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to business reinvention. Well, Tina, you know, Metro Mile is really a very refreshing, you know, uh, uh, new addition to the insurance industry. And I'm just curious, how did the founding team come up with the idea initially? Oh, sure. Yeah, it actually was born out of... uh an idea with uh, one of the founders, uh, David Friedberg, who's actually uh, one of the leaders of the Climate Corporation, he's the CEO. And what they do is help farmers protect their productivity. So from the Climate Corp uh, origin came the idea of per-mile insurance. But one of the key challenges at the time was figuring out how to get the cost of the device to be realistic to give to more people so that we could measure the miles. So once that cost for the device came down, it became more realistic uh, to pursue the idea. Mm. And do you notice any change in uh, driver's behavior with your uh, rate model, which is very different from um, other companies? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's been really interesting to see this. Um, so we found in a study in collaboration with Yale that per-mile car insurance customers, so basically just paying by the mile, are actually driving 6% less. So how to translate that to something that feels more real. If everybody reduced their miles by that much, 
there would be 150 billion fewer miles driven. Uh, do you think that's because um, the way you um, determine rates or you know the the monthly rate uh, monthly billing um, kind of makes people more conscious about um, how much they drive and that eventually encourages them to drive less. Do you think that might be the reason behind that? Yeah, that's definitely, you know, one of the, the overriding hypotheses. Um, when you feel the, the charge per use, you are going to be more conscious about it. So kind of like when you buy a buffet meal, let's say you're going to Vegas, you're just stuffing yourself with how much food you can eat, right? Mm-hmm. But if you were to pay for it a la carte, you would be definitely more conscious and, and not probably eat as much and, and end up paying less. Wow. So um, for sure, that it's, it's, it's indicating that per mile is an incentive for drivers to reduce their mileage. Mm, well, that is a really great unintended consequence. That's um, really wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing insight with us today. It looks like this is all the time we have and we're going to have to wrap up. Tina, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was really great. Thank you. And for those in the audience, thank you for tuning in. You can tweet me your comments at BizWeMentioned or download our podcast to listen to our show on the go. I hope you can join us again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Enjoy the rest of your week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the meantime, follow Nancy on Twitter at BizReinvention to keep up on the innovation trends and information about our next show. Or go to BizReinvention.com for more business insights. That's B-I-Z Reinvention.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.